welcome again to the homegirls podcast hey y'all hey girl hey hey y'all hey y'all but y'all y'all know who we are i'm not about to sit and keep introducing myself y'all know who i am if y'all listen to past 55 episodes hell you know (laughs) y'all gonna figure it out by the end of the damn episode no i'm just kidding no so today (laughs) the topic of our podcast is a black girl working magic yes so We've been talking about Black Girl Magic, I mean, like all over the internet, right? But today we just kind of wanted to highlight some of the things that Black girls experience in the workplace, um, the big things we're doing, the subconscious things we may or may not have to alter when we're in the workplace, et cetera, et cetera. But before we dig into our own personal experiences, you know, I just wanted to go ahead on and give a shout, you know, to some, some Black girls doing some big things, right? Okay. So we already know the obvious people, you know, Beyonce, shout out to B. She has a whole hive and whatnot. Shout out to B. She's doing big things in entertainment. You got Oprah, you got Michelle Obama. People doing big things, people that you know. But I just wanted to go and look up some Black women that may or may not be spoken on as much as some of the names that I spoke on earlier. So Ursula Burns, apparently was the former CEO of Xerox. She literally was the first Black woman to be a CEO of a a Fortune 500 company. And she was the first woman um, to succeed another um, as head of a a Fortune 500 company. So, I mean, that's what's up. Like, I didn't even know that. I mean, like, snap, snaps the earth. Like, I didn't even know who she was until I started (laughs) looking up this stuff. But I just thought it was so cool. And I felt like she needed to be shouted out. Um, Tracy Tracy Travis apparently is the CFO of Estee Lauder, mm. another black woman doing big things. Um, yes, so we have Kamala. I think I said her name wrong. Kamala Harris. Yes, sis is the next vice president of the United States. I mean, what the hell? Ooh, yes, right. I'm excited to have her in office. <laughs> Definitely, right? Like, but and she's cute. And, so I mean. Cute. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that is only a black woman can rock her some tennis shoes up in the the Oval Office. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, girl, if you're gonna be in there, girl, work it, girl, and she's working it. So we got Kamala, we have Roz Brewer, who was what the COO of Starbucks, CFO, yeah, one of the two. I don't remember because we denounced Starbucks months ago, so. We did denounce Starbucks. And the thing is, I think we can continue to denounce Starbucks because now this is the entire CEO of Walgreens. So okay. transfer your prescriptions to Walgreens and all my scripts no, are there don't. already. <laughs> yeah, but no, but really don't. Don't don't do that. But sis is yet another soror. Um sorority and corporate yes Roz is a soror and Kamala. So okay. shout out to the K's doing big things in 2021 and keeping it cute. Ah. Oh, right. Part. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. So yeah, we can officially denounce Starbucks and just get some, we can get some bottled Starbucks from Walgreens. (laughs) 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 I just wanted to give a quick highlight to some of these black women doing some really big things in corporate America that you probably haven't heard as a household name. Um, but with that, being a black woman in corporate America, I mean, I've never been a CEO or a COO of a Fortune 500 company, but I have been in some management positions in corporate America. And so is everyone here on this podcast. And there's a lot of things that black girls have to deal with working for the white man. I'm just saying, and I'm not, I, you know, I didn't want it to sound all racist, but I mean, corporate America is 
it, it's the white man's game. That's just what it is. Um, and when you're a black girl working in corporate America, there's so many experiences that are so much more different than some of our uh, counterparts of other races. So, you know, in this podcast, we just kind of wanted to be like talk about what we're going through in corporate America as black women doing big things. So I guess, I mean, we'll kind of follow the same trend as like the job, what, what, the job attainment process. I mean, right. You go through an right. interview first, right? Yeah. So on your interview, I mean, what are some things that you may or may not have had to have tweaked like trying to get that, that corporate job? Have y'all had to like tweak anything or think about anything different? Or You know, you have to go in, especially being a woman of color, you know, you make sure you articulate and things like that, because I mean, for some reason, our jargon and diction is always under scrutiny. But other than that, I feel like it's just a typical job. And I mean, we're expected to be to come off and be presented a certain way, I feel. So having that black girl essence, like you go in, you're comfortable, you know your stuff and like you kill it. To me, that, that's what that's what I make sure I do when I go in an interview as a as a black girl or a woman of color, whatever. I make sure I go in there. I am secure. I am, you know, certain of what I'm talking about. And that's just it. And I go in and I kill it and I get the job. <laughs> I think I, um, my name, not, it's not quote unquote ghetto, but I think when you hear my name, Shade, you know I'm black. So that already, I've never looked at it as like a ding towards me, but I know when people see my name on a resume, they know I'm a black girl coming in. So I feel like I'm going in representing. Um, I have to represent myself, but I never want to water myself down. So I feel like it's a struggle because I already, I think I articulate myself pretty well already. So that's not ever anything that I have to like consistently focus on. However, I feel like, being myself, but still being, you know, being viewed as professional, there's like a line because what I think or deem as professional or, you know, the status quo may not be the next person. So sometimes I do feel like I have to water myself down when it comes to the interview process just to sell myself to people. And unfortunately, it's, it's a game, you know, hey, I need to sell myself. So what, not that I'm out here tap dancing or anything to get a job but at the end of the day the goal is to get a job so you know it is what it is you know but um I haven't experienced the issues that a lot of black women experience when it comes to the preparation that it takes to go through you know to prep for interviews but I have sat in on an interview and uh when I was a pharmaceutical sales rep this 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 uh black girl young black girl in her 20s came in, when I say out of about 30 people, she should have gotten the job. She did not get the job. And she was very well-spoken. She didn't get the job because she had a short haircut and had like part of it was shaved off. Like one of her sides were shaved off. And that is why she didn't get the job. And I was very upset. My black manager actually told me that's why she didn't get the job. And I just thought that was absurd. I had another colleague who got the job during that, amongst that cohort. And when she started working, before she went out in the field, she called me and she said, hey, do you think I should take, you know, my, take my kinky twist out because I don't want the doctors or anyone to see me? And I never had thought about it that way. I heard people talk about it, uh, you know, amongst us, but I had never experienced it. And when I sat and I thought about it, I was like, dang, you know, 
your sales reflect your, you know, your money, your, your, what is it that we get commission affects the money that you're bringing in. So at the end of the day, I'm not here. I wear, I wear weed. So I don't, I don't really have that struggle that I'm just really faced with. And I don't wear weed because I think it's, you know, something that's deemed as a survey. I just like it. However, that the difference between people who vary, you know, variate in their hairstyle, that's something that they would have to think about. So I'm sure somebody else can speak on that. But just knowing that and hearing that, that made me realize like, dang, this is yet again something we have to think about when we walk into somewhere. If our hair, the way our hairstyle has to affect that. Though. Yeah, because like with me, every like I have a lot of hair and I don't like to deal with my hair. It's thick and it's long. And so I choose to wear braids like. 10 months out of the year, I have braids. But when I have an interview, I can have an interview on Tuesday. On Saturday, I'm taking my hair down and pressing it. Because I just feel like sometimes having braids too ethnic, and it's sad, it's like that. But sometimes you cannot get a job because they feel like having braids too ethnic. And then, like, if I'm applying for a job, I have to I have to see, okay, I don't have experience in this, but I do have the degree, so let me go sell myself. And you have to go above and beyond sometimes. And you have to, like, actually rehearse you have to rehearse what you're going to say because sometimes they might not like the way you talk. So you have to make sure that you're elaborating your words, use correct English, use an extended vocabulary. And another thing that I, that gives me confidence is the panel. I feel more confident around a panel of women versus men because like the field I'm in is male dominated. So when I interviewed for my last job, it was black women that interviewed me and it helped me feel better. But it's just really sad that after I got the job, like a certain individual, a certain individual was like, you look totally different. You're a whole nother person from the person I interviewed because I had braids. In my interview, I had my hair down and it was pressed. And they actually said, well, dang, you're a completely different person. And I'm like, you're who got braids? Who are you, a different person? Because I got braids? Dang, okay. <laughs> Uh, so did did he hire Shaka Khan? I mean, uh, <laughs> no, right. no, 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 no. Like it <laughs> <laughs> I had braids after I got the job, but during the interview, my hair was pressed. It was my hair out. Girl. But I had braids because I'm natural and I can't walk around, you know, natural for too long. So yeah, it was pressed and pretty in the interview, but you don't want to catch me outside in the rain. So I put braids in it. And she was like, oh, you look totally different. I'm like, what's wrong with you having braids? Right. As far as the interview process with me, um, I I make sure you have as a black woman, you just always have to make sure you're extra prepared. So when I go on, you know, the interview, I make sure I I look decent. I'm you know as put together as I possibly can be. I've researched the corporation or whatever I'm trying to get the job with so I can show that that I'm interested but that's that's regular like interview stuff but I feel like as a black woman you already have to set the bar 10 times higher you can go in with the same thing as you know someone else but you will feel the pressure more than them just simply because you're black as far as um interviewing process and just to speak on what Erica said about having to elaborate I used to do travel nursing so of course with travel nursing the Interviews are all over the phone. I know y'all know by now. My New Orleans accent is thick. It's there, okay? <laughs> so even when I put on my professional voice, I mean, you still know that I am <laughs> from New Orleans, you know? Wait, wait, wait. Do your professional voice again, Cole? You know, that's the professional voice, you know? <laughs> when, you gotta, <laughs> when you have to, you know, try to finesse the the phone interview, it's you... Always so like I have to do the most and like Erica State enunciate and all that, but 
I've never not gotten a job that I interview for over the phone as a travel nurse. And, but it's just the pressure that I go through when I know the interview is coming. Like they'll say, okay, we're going to call you at five o'clock for the interview. Like the pressure, like I'm literally like Erica say, practicing what I have to say, trying to make sure my accent is not as thick or sounding like quote unquote ghetto, but that's just like my normal accent. So it's just, it's just things like that, that black women, we have to, always be prepared for you know it's just yeah yeah definitely i know me like i clearly have two different voices y'all probably heard all well i have like three or four of them but like (laughs) i have to make sure i put on like my professional voice just like you said i have to put on my professional voice like when i'm going for a job and kind erica kind of touched on it too like it is based on who's interviewing you like i remember my first job i had gotten my boss was black she was a black woman I was comfortable. I'm like, okay, I can, you know, not be myself, but kind of be myself. You know, she'll kind of relate to me, whatever. But some other jobs that I had gotten, my interviewers were white men, you know, and even though I was well prepared, I had the experience, I knew everything I was talking about, I still was like somewhat nervous Mm. about, you know, what I was going to bring or portray on this interview, even though I know like I'm well qualified, like well qualified for it, you know. Yeah, that um happened to me. I was interviewing. Actually, I was in management at this time, and I interviewed for a L and D position, which at the time would have been a pay cut for me. But because I wanted to change my specialty, I interviewed for this job, and I didn't get it. One of my nurses that worked under me was a Caucasian girl. <laughs> who had just got out of school. And I have like eight, nine years of experience on this girl. She just got out of school. We just finished her approaching her first year as a nurse where she's able to transfer, you know, um, departments. And she interviewed for the job, like the day after I interviewed for the job and got the job. And so I'm like, that was like, I was qualified for the job, had way more experience than her, you know? So I'm just, and I was with this company for way longer than her. So I was just like appalled that she got the job, you know, before me, I didn't tell her that I was, you know, applying for the job, but she had already told me that, you know, she was going to be leaving and she was trying to get that job. But when she got the job, and she was able to get the transfer and I didn't, I, you know, I kind of felt some kind of way. And I'm like, well, what is it? What happened with me in that interview that, you know, I didn't get it because it wasn't even really supposed to be like an interview for me. It's just supposed to be like a transfer department. But she got the job and I didn't. And they were saying that it was because I was in management and they couldn't afford like my unit at the time couldn't afford to lose me. So they had me on hold. But I don't know if I really believe that or not. You know, I really feel like it was something else going on. Yeah. No, that's sad because, like, with my job, I told y'all it's the male-dominated field. So I'm the only woman supervisor. It's, it's, I'm the only woman supervisor on my floor, and I'm the youngest supervisor. So a lot of times I deal with, oh, well, maybe you can't do this. Maybe they only give you this area because, you know, what we have to do requires, you know, you have to have strength to do it. And I'm like, I can do whatever y'all can do. And so it's like I constantly have to prove myself and prove myself. And I recently went on maternity leave. And when I went on maternity leave, they was like, well, your area, you know, it's, it's not being it's not being inspected. But they don't know that before I went on maternity leave, I did a lot of stuff. They had a whole file put up because I know they want my area to go undone so they can try to get put it and give it to a male. And it's just sad that women, we sometimes we have to, like, go above and beyond to prove ourselves. 
And it shouldn't be like that. We have two strikes against us. We black and then we women. And it's so sad it's still like that. I mean, like, I had, you know, I like statistics. Y'all know I like to look up a good statistic, you know? (laughs) But, I mean, we've all kind of said, like, we know we're, you know, we're very competent in our fields. We know what we have to bring to the table. You know, our experience, whatever, we're very competent in that. But even though um, women in general, but definitely Black women, are very capable of performing certain jobs, there's some very, very large disparities as far as how much we're paid for these same jobs um, in comparison to um, white males, non-Hispanic males, et cetera. So based on an article um, (laughs) from the National Partnership for Women and Families, (laughs) um, it stated that basically Black women who work full-time year-round are typically paid 62 cents for every dollar paid to a white non-Hispanic male who's doing the exact same mm. job, right? Crazy. Right. So even in states with the large populations of Black women in the workforce, um, overall, um, the range is 47 to 67 cents for every dollar to that, you know, uh, in comparison to that same population. And the thing is, I have a personal testament to that. Like, I remember, it's not at this job, but at... Um, a job that I was at before this one, um, I had found out the guy that was working overnight at my pharmacy. Now, mind you, I'm the manager. Okay. I had left um, because of, you know, some other issues um, and the overnight pharmacist had took over. He's an older white guy. This man was offered nine more dollars an hour to do the same job that I had just what? left. Yes. Nine more dollars. Okay. And I know I was much more, you know, qualified to do this job. I know I just couldn't handle the work conditions anymore. Um, But I know that what I gave to that store was way more than this person could have given. But I know for a fact, only because he was a white alpha male, he was offered nine more dollars an hour more than I had been getting my entire time at that store. So um, you know, it's just crazy that we can be way more confident or competent in doing a job, but be compensated way less than what we really deserve, you know. Um, but aside from that, on the job, we have to deal with a whole bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, we've gotten the job. We've made it through the interview. We've, you know, taken our weaves out. We, you know, we, we landed the job, right? We, not yeah, me. So. I'm not taking my weave out, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to keep my bundles in, but next. So whether you have your bundles or not, you know, you don't put your gold tube back in. Um, you know, on the job as a black woman, <laughs> nobody has a gold tube, by the way. <laughs> nobody has a gold tube. But if you have it, we're not judging. Um, but, you know, we do have to deal with, you know, different things than the regular white person on the job. And I know it for a fact, you know, and that's just like, I know me, I can't be 100% myself at work. Because my mouth is something serious. Like, it's something serious. I'm going to think, wait, let me fix it. You know what I mean? Like, what I say comes out, you know, a whole different kind of way, you know, with my friends than it would, you know, at work. Um, so, I mean, do y'all feel any, like, y'all have y'all had to censor yourselves or you feel like you've had to censor yourself even more at work? Or- yeah, I feel like I have to censor myself. And also, I feel like because typically I'm probably one of maybe five black women in in the entire organization. I'm talking about hundreds of people. Um, I'm not going to be a token black girl. 
So don't come, hey, sister. And, you know, little things. Like, don't hey, sister me. Don't boo-boo kitty me. I'm not about to be any of those things. So I feel like I do go above and beyond to to let people know. And I can do that by how I articulate myself and not even allowing people to feel that comfortable with me because you're not going to boo-boo kitty me on the job. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) they watch empire you know they just you know people just be wanting to relate i'm like no but i feel like it's a lot of that i feel like uh black women are over sexualized um you know how people view us and i've I've definitely experienced sexual harassment on the job and not having management have my back whenever i've reported it and things like that so you know it's things like you know being in those situations where you don't feel comfortable, you don't know who you're able to go to or who, who can you address certain situations. I've also dealt with black women and there, I don't know if y'all have experienced this, but I've dealt with uh, black women in management who, I don't know what is up with, with us. And I'm not saying us here, but I've had a manager who, you know, typically in my field, I'm a CRA, I travel a lot. So we don't see each other that often. But we ended up having a, like a conference and my one of my managers ended up, I met her in person. I had no idea what her race was. I'm sure she knew I was black. But she had never seen me before. But when I tell you this woman had it out for me and one day, you know, maybe like a month or so after the conference, she called me and I had asked her one question via email that day. She called me and she said, hey, don't expect any sister girl handouts. And I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was so I was like, well, I don't know what what you mean by that, which I knew what the hell she meant, but I'm going to play dumb. And she ended up, you know, telling me all this stuff. I'm not going to help you. I don't ask me no questions. X, Y, Z. I'm like, okay, noted. So when my work started reflecting that, I made sure to refer back to that conversation with her, but she ended up essentially trying to bully me for two months and tried to affect my work. And I had to tell my white manager who's above her the conversation. And my manager was like, what does she mean by sister girl? I was like, I have no idea. You tell exactly. me that. <laughs> my manager was so, my, my, my Caucasian, my white manager was so like offended on my behalf. I didn't even have to deal with this woman, but that's all of that's to say, like we have to start, like not saying, you know, expect a handout from a black woman, but you know, we are already at a disadvantage. So why would you essentially take a dump? I'm trying to watch my words. Y'all know my mouth. <laughs> Don't, you know, don't, don't shit on the next person that you see. You should want to help the next black woman become to where she can get to a management level or the next level. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. that's kind of right. my experience being over-sexualized, trying to make sure that the, the white women or the non-black women, let me not just point out white women, let me say non-black women, don't try to uh, think you can, you know, reach, reach me by being or talking in Ebonics and stuff. You're not going to, I hate that. That is right. one of my biggest beliefs. So. Yeah. <laughs> my previous um, facility that I worked at, um, I, I worked there for a while, but that facility, I had to definitely censor myself. When I first started working there, it was a lot of black nurses that worked there, but during my career there, I promise you, I feel like it was getting rid of like a black nurse a month. I'm like, what are y'all going, like, what are y'all doing? I remember I went on maternity leave, my best friend, um, who was working there with me as well, like, it was her and maybe, like, three other of my, 
three other friends that left just in my with me gone from maternity leave. Now, granted, I did take like four or five months off, but I'm just saying that was crazy, you know, for all of them to be gone. So when I got back to work, it was maybe like me and two other black nurses there. So in the rest of them was nine black. Most of them, you know, were white. Um, so it was different. And I and then the atmosphere of the unit change when, you know, at the, at, you know, the last time, like I was the only black nurse left. So I was like, oh, hell. And it's sad to say that when I became the last black nurse there, I felt like I was like, I got to get out of here. I have to get out of here. Like, that's how I felt um, because I didn't want to get, you know, fired for nothing crazy. And I did. I had been working there like at that time, my whole nursing career was at that one facility. So I'm thinking about if I get fired, this is the only place I have for like a recommendation. And that's what it, that's what they're going to call. So I basically, you know, left. And then um, but at the facility that I work at now, y'all, I feel at home. It's nothing but black nurses there. We get it. Like, hmm. we, and let me, and let me not even just say black nurses. These, the, the nurses that I work with, we do have like some non-black, but majority of them are black. When I say these nurses know their stuff, like, so we, and, and we have each other back because we already know that we are the target. We already know that we have to know more, do more, assess more. You know, when we call a doctor, it's like we we dang on have to know the whole chart by heart. You know what I'm saying? Because they know it's us calling. But my work facility right now is like, I feel at home. Like, I don't really have to censor myself. I can be cold. Not Courtney all the time. I can be, they don't even call me Courtney. They call me They're like, hey, Cole, where you at? You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, it's, I, I like my, I like my environment, like my coworkers right now. The patients, you know, I could deal without, you know, some of them, but my, but I feel like if something was to happen, they would have my back and I would feel, I wouldn't feel like I was a target. You know, we, if one go down, we all going down, you know? So it's, it's a different feel and it's crazy, but it's, it's totally different right now in, in the workplace rather. Yeah. That's a blessing though, because I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to expose anybody, but I've been, I've been in my job for four years now. And like I say, it's male dominated. And like, I have two bosses. One's a female and she's family oriented. And I have a male boss and he's like, you know, in the sixties time period still where, you know, the man is the head and the woman, you know, has to follow behind the man. And I have a sense of myself so much. It's ridiculous. It's gotten to the point to where I will go in the office for two hours and I'm out in the field for the other six hours just to not, you know, go off. And I, I really literally have the sense of myself and it's sad. And when I got my promotion, you know, it's like they smile on your face, but they talk about you behind your back. And it's really sad and you're still dealing with that. But like I say, a lot of people, they stuck in time and you can't control, you know, their thoughts and how they act. You, all you can do is control how you act and how you don't react. So you can keep your job and keep moving up the ladder. So a lot of times when you censor yourself, it's just you being a bigger person. And hopefully one day it gets better. You know, that's all you do is hope. Do you feel like you censor yourself and they know you're doing that? So that uh-uh. allows them to feel like they can keep doing things? No, because um, I do it with a smile. And I call my mom or my boyfriend and I, and I, and I, I vent to them. So to my, my coworkers, they think, you know, oh, you know, we're not bothering her. You can't, let, you can't always let people know they're getting next to you. And it's so sad it's like that, but to really move up in corporate America, you have to play that game, and it's sad. It's like, and it's the crazy part is we're all black. 
you know, and so it's like we have to wow. learn to work together and stop working against each other. Yeah. You have to, it's like you already dealing with a lot. That changes huh? it also when you say, I said that changes it also a little bit when you say that y'all are all black because this mm-hmm. is, you're not even talking about a white man being your, you know, your boss or whatever. Now you're talking about black men. It's sexist. Over you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like my boss has my back because like I said, she's a female and she's family oriented. So sometimes I have to take off because my kids are sick or, you know, I have to me, me calling off my kids trying to sign a weakness, you know? So sometimes you got to learn, you know, like sometimes you got to leave assignment because your kid's sick or you got to go to a doctor's appointment and they use that as a sign of weakness. But I'm so glad I have my boss because she knows yeah. that if I'm going to take off for two days, I'm going to do enough work in those three days that's going to make up for the whole week, you know? And so it's like she doesn't judge me. <laughs> but I want to interject on that point, Erica. Something you said that just really stood out when you said taking off when your kids are sick uh, shows a sign of weakness. And I find that it's really minority women who feel like that. Also some women in general, but it's mainly like minority women who feel like we can't take off when our kids are sick because now at that point, the quality and quantity of work that we do is now under scrutiny and it's questioned. And like you said, oh, she knows that I'm going to do enough work for two days. But why do we have to do that when we already know we got the job, we're qualified, we come to work. Clearly, we're in this position because, you know, we're overqualified and we're adding something to it. I feel the same way, um, kind of in my role, but my job's not like that. <laughs> Thank God. I don't have coworkers that I see every day because I work from home. But even in my role doing clinical research, I just always feel like, OK, before I take off, before I do something, I have to make sure like I'm tight, like my work is tight. I've done this. I've done that, you know, and I get put on a lot of projects at work and it's the constant like, OK, Chrissy, you know, we need you. But I kill all of that stuff before I take off or anything. So they can't say, oh, well, Chrissy didn't complete this or she didn't complete that. It's always like, wow, she completed this. She wasn't feeling well. And she had to take off, you know, but it's just annoying because like, why do we have to validate or overvalidate, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. Cause it's like, you have to do all of that when it shouldn't. I used to have to catch myself from saying, oh, I'm sorry, da, 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 da. you know, apologizing nonstop instead of saying thank you for waiting for me or thank you. I was on the call on another call. Thank you. And we can proceed with the meeting or whatever it is and not making excuses for wanting to take. PTO, paid time off, that's my time. I don't have to give you an excuse if I want to sit up and watch Netflix all day and I just don't want to work. That's my business. You know what I'm saying? I shouldn't you, have you to. Know who, that's a good, that's a, that's a, such a good point. You know who told me about that? And, it was, and I was very shocked. Um, this young African guy, he was a Nigerian guy that I work with. And I was telling him like, oh, we were on a site visit and I had a migraine so bad. I had to go to the hospital like 5.30 in the morning, but I still went to my site you know, that morning. And he was like, why are you here? And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I wasn't feeling good. I have to go to the hospital. He was like, stop apologizing. He was like, you got this job because you're qualified. He said, now go home, fly home, take care of yourself. Your family needs you. He went, this is a job. He said, if you were my wife, he said, I'm not talking about your fiance. He said, but hearing that as a man, he said, it bothers me because you feel like you owe them something. He was like, you're here. He was like, you've already paid your debt to, to them. You have the job. You're working. He went, go take care of yourself. He went, you owe them nothing more. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but 
even ever since then, that's my mentality. When I don't feel well, I tell them I don't feel well. And this is the first time like I've actually had a job where they're like, oh my gosh, please go take care of yourself. Like you need a healthy, not work-life balance, but life work balance. And I do feel valued even being a woman of color in, you know, an industry where people probably feel like, you know, it's predominantly white, but research is very, very diverse. I will say shout out to my African brothers and sisters because they kill this shit. They run this industry. This is their industry. But at the same time, it's like as women, we still face that uncanny and, you know, that guilt of, oh my gosh, I have to take off. I'm not well. It's weak of me to do this, you know? I mean, I struggle with my brains myself. And I don't know, there's a ghost on the podcast apparently today. <laughs> I don't know what those ghosts <laughs> are. I told y'all I gotta start stop watching paranormal like the ghosts. They come on in the damn podcast. <laughs> but anyway, shut the computer um, down. <laughs> <laughs> Look, because let me tell y'all something. If the lights flick off, that's the end. We don't have a conclusion, that's the end. There's no music. We're getting off this thing, okay? <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I suffer with migraines myself. And that's so true. What Chrissy said, like, I'll find myself like trying to fight through it longer than I know that I can possibly fight through it just so I don't look like the lazy black girl or like the black girl that's like, you know, oh, look, look, look how, look, she's, and then I'm young too. You know, I'm a young black pharmacy manager. You know, all of my texts are non-black with the exception of one. My partners are non-black. But the thing is, when I'm at work, and like, shout out to my job. I love my staff. Like, I have an amazing staff. And we'll kind of get to this point a little bit later, just talking about conversations that we tend to have or not have. But I really don't, you know how people say, like, I don't see color. Like, I really don't see color until I subconsciously start thinking about those things like when I get sick or if I'm running two minutes late or, you know, something like that. Cause I am notoriously a minute or two minutes late, literally every day I can get there right on time, but very rarely will I be early. I really hope my boss is not listening to this, but, <laughs> but I'm literally <laughs> like a minute to two minutes late every other day. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm the lazy black girl. And why do I have to sit here and like talk myself out of being the quote unquote lazy black girl. Like why, how did that get ingrained in my mind? You know, like not wanting to live up to that stereotype or, oh my God, like I'm the manager, but I'm a lazy black girl. Like, ugh, yuck, right? Right, no, I feel you, I feel you. But it's like, it's those things that are placed on us that we not only have to go and do our job and excel and do more than the next person, but we have to subconsciously think about those connotations that are attached to us just for being black. You know, it just, it it even reminds me of like the whole hair situation. Like if I wanted, granted, I would never do this, but if I wanted to dye my hair hot pink, I know I'm going to get looked at. But I remember one time, and just for those who are listening, me and Chrissy are both in clinical research. So Chrissy tends to, she's lucked up and gotten to stay home a lot more than I do. I'm always on the go, but I travel and I'm at my site and this this Caucasian girl walks in with hot pink hair. And I really, like, it was one of those, like, if I wanted to, could I do that? And how would it be viewed if I walked in? You know, right. and it just makes you think. Because I've seen another girl um, come in, and she had on some tennis shoes. And they weren't, like, some, um, they weren't, like, gaudy tennis shoes. They were, like, some Adidas. She had a cute blazer on, black chick. And they told her, they called her manager and all of this. But I see 
non-black women come in all the time or men in general, they'll come in with their suit jackets on and dress down, but still business professional. You know what I'm saying? Business casual and it's okay. So it's just like, why do we have to always go above and beyond and think about unnecessary things when we see our counterparts doing it? But it's like, oh, if, 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 if um, I don't want to say typical other names, but if such and such comes in. <laughs> if Harry does it. If Karen comes in, you know, and, and has on whatever, or her hair is colored this way, or for me, I like nail art. If I want to get my nails done, as long as I can type, that's all you need to worry about. If I want to have a little glitter, a little diamonds, or whatever, <laughs> y'all need to worry about my glitter, my diamonds, on my nails. She hood, y'all. She hood, y'all. She <laughs> hanging from the damn nails. So they hood. Don't, don't let us tell your husband. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel her, though, with the nails, because, like, on the flip side, I work in a, um in one of the richest parts of Atlanta. So it's whites, just whites. So I'm a Black inspector. I'm in environmental compliance. And I work for the government. So, you know, I have to represent, you know, the city of Atlanta to one of the, the, the richest parts of Atlanta. So you got me little black inspector now. I'm dark skinned coming in there, you know, inspecting these restaurants, hotels, hospitals, malls, and they're already looking down on you. So I have to always make sure I'm like my nails are done, my eyebrows are done, my hair is done. Because any flaw, like if I'm they're signing a contract and my nails not done, they're gonna look down on that. And it's so crazy. It's like, when does it end? <laughs> it's like, okay, y'all do my coworkers, now I gotta deal with my clients. You know, it's like, when does it end? I'm just here to do a job. You know, this job, you know, it's, it's not making or breaking me. I'm just trying to, you know, provide for my family. But it's like, you have to go through so much as Black women and still keep a smile on your face at the end of the day. That's why it's so important when you see people smiles, say, hey, because you never know what a person's going through in a day. And we, we, so, we, we wear the shield. We wear masks so perfectly as Black women. And that's why mm-hmm. these Black men, y'all need the Black men. Y'all really need to, like, give us our props and show show more appreciation sometimes. You know, the ones that are showing it, thank you. But the ones that aren't, you know, you can still open the doors for us. If you see us with our tire flag, come change our tire. Stop being so, mm-hmm. so much pride. You never know what we go through, what we have to fight for just in a day. It, it's, mm-hmm. these, it's these these companies. You see now that we have all this stuff going on, everybody wants to talk about racism like this just started yesterday. Uh, it's been going on, but y'all want to get on the ball game. Now, I guarantee you, we're going to have a spike in numbers of how many black people in general are going to be hired because now it's a wave. And we know what I'm talking about when I say these folks. That's all that these folks do is ride our way. Now, yeah. I'm happy whoever is out here listening, if you need a job, now's the time to start applying. Well, after this coronavirus is over with because it's, it's our time now. So mm-hmm. I think, I think going time. forward, hopefully a lot of this will change and, or we'll have, we'll be able to use our voices a lot more than we have been in the past because now it's, it's an issue and people know the black dollar or whatever the case is, they want to appear diverse. So they're going to be out for everyone who doesn't support that. So mm-hmm. yes. like still was, don't drink Starbucks. Yeah. I was, no, 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 but shout out to Rise. Shout out to Rise. Um, <laughs> but no, I just was about to say, I'm glad you mentioned that Shade because I just was about to hit on like, given the climate of everything that's going on, like there have been some hard conversations that I've wanted to have with some of my staff members and I have started to have with some of them, but I've had to like abruptly stop, um, you know, about racism, about the protesting, about police brutality. Like one of my technicians, you can tell she's a very conservative, non-black woman. It's fine. She's older. She's non-black. She's conservative, but she's 
one of my best workers. You know, she's pretty open-minded when we talk about things. I'm open-minded to her views, et cetera, et cetera. But my teeth hurt when, you know, I have to explain, you know, why people are rioting or why people are upset. Like, okay, so we talked about, I don't really know all of the details with um, the guy that got uh, killed by the Wendy's in Atlanta, right? Was that a team? Yeah, I, I don't give know you details. details on that. Right. Well, yeah, Erica, you, yeah, I'm going to let you give some details on it because I don't really know a lot. But she wanted to bring that up. And I told her, I was like, you know, honestly, I can't speak about that situation because I don't know the details. And yes, I'm Black. Yes, I love Black people. I love myself as a Black person. But I'm not going to sit here and give you an opinion on that specific situation because I don't know all the details on it. So she was trying to say, like, the guy... I don't know, stole a taser. And then when he took the taser, he turned around and that's why the police shot him. And I was like, making right. And so my thing is, I was like, I can't even get upset with you right now because I don't know the story. But I was like, honestly, if he took a taser and turned around when a policeman called him, is it still okay for him to shoot the man? Like, no. So I'm like, okay, like in, in that moment, I had to choose between being a proud black woman or being a pharmacy manager. When am I going to get reported to corporate? Mm-hmm. If I go too far, you know what I'm saying? Are you going to report me, you know, to ethics? Right. You know, because I'm about to click out on you talking about this right. black man that then got killed. But they you do know? that on purpose, <laughs> Alex. They do that on purpose to uh-huh. make, to, to ruffle your feathers. Let me tell you something. Don't, don't make me think like that, no. Don't make me think like that because I'm going to go to work angry. <laughs> <laughs> but see, but see, honestly, up, like, <laughs> like, Honestly, like that right there is hits close to home because I'm from that neighborhood. So, like the the Wendy's and the the, li- the liquor store, the Texaco, the the gas station, everything like that's my neighborhood. So I'm dealing with so much as the I work for the government, and then I have to see this because that's my neighborhood. They burnt down. Like that's my neighborhood that's boarded up. And with the news show you, it's not what happened. Like, yeah, he was drinking and he fell asleep in the line in the Wendy's in the drive-thru. But at the same time, he wasn't driving. He fell asleep. He told the officer, hey, I'm going to park over. I'm going to pull over in his parking spot. I don't, I don't want to go to jail. You know, like, please don't hurt me because I'm trying to get to my daughters. My sister lives around the corner. Can I just, can my sister come get me? Can I walk over there? You can follow me. They were so aggressive. I have no remorse for whatever happens to those cops. Like, at the end of the day, they kept antagonizing him about a breathalyzer. He's like, I know I've been drinking, but I'm not driving. I fell asleep behind the wheel in the drive-thru. Yeah, I didn't, I'm sorry. But they told him, let's just put a car over in the, into a spot and then, you know, then we'll leave you alone. That's not what happened. He pulled no, but, over. But he, he pulled, like, I, no, no, no. I'm, I'm cutting you off just to say, like, how passionate as you are right now talking about this. Could you talk about this with one of your coworkers at work? Like, yes, could you I've do done it? that. Yeah, oh, you, okay. you, you it's, it's all about your delivery. Like, you yeah. have to take a step back from your emotions, and it's all about the message, because they don't mm-hmm. get it. So you have to make them get it. Like, Alex, that's my neighborhood. I'm seeing my neighborhood burn down, and I have to go by there every day to and from work. That hurts. I got to right. my composure. And the way right. I educate my coworkers is from the way, you, it's all about how you, how you say it. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. So it sometimes is. you got to step out. Go ahead. Right. And I'm just going to so, say, Alex, 
There's a lot. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. It's just emotional. <laughs> you are hitting on. You're hitting home. The thing is, with Alex, with you being in management and being a black woman in management, when you think about all of these Fortune 500 companies or just regular just companies in general, there these are white people leading these conversations on diversity and what's happening. So you, as a black woman, should be able to lead it better than them. So mm-hmm. you know, my cousin, my cousin texted me the other day, and she was in tears. She was like, you know. The fact that my CEO is even having to have this conversation, he hit on a lot of things and made a lot of, you know, made, made a lot of great points. But it's just crazy that it, the conversation has to be had and that people are still seriously asking questions of why and why this and why can't we do this? And, you know, so as a as a black manager, maybe like look into some of the some of the conversations that are being led by other companies. By like, not, like people that's high up. Yeah. And, and, and kind of follow your mold from that or make create your own way from that but see the thing is i have these conversations like it's not that i do not have them and the thing is like i try to have them with all i mean if they bring them up i'm talking about like i'll never bring them up but if they begin to talk about them oh yeah like and i'm trying to educate i'm generally never coming from like a place of you know what i'm saying like you don't see these people lying in the street like you know even though i may feel that way I do address it a different way because, yeah, I agree. Like, I'm probably the closest Black person that they have, like, to talk to about these types of things. Mm-hmm. You know? They really don't know. They really don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. But it sucks that you have to think about your platform versus your opinions on everything, you know, when addressing your non-Black, non-black counterparts at work, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because like the thing, the, another another crazy thing is like they kept, you know, how, like they have people that, that antagonize riots. They come and they put a, a stack of bricks up, a stack of bricks in the street, so you can throw bricks in the in the windows. And they put F F twelve, so you know, make the police mad. So the white there was a white lady that started the fire. So they like, oh, she's a part of that group. No, that was his girlfriend. You know, so it was like she was she was close to him. She it was it was someone that was close to him that started it out of emotion, but. To the world, it's like, oh, it was a white girl that started it. And sometimes you gotta really research for yourself, educate yourself before you present it to other people. So you present good information to people so right. they can get it. Right. But it's like, so, it's, it's also too much to deal with. I'm sorry, Alex. Yes. And I know we're about bringing off, off topic because we're all passionate about this, but like, we, they can't, or people in general can't expect black people to know every killing, every that's yes. going on because it's happening every day. And it's overwhelming. So it's not your responsibility to educate anybody. At the end of the day, if Alex didn't want to talk about this at all, it's okay to say, hey, you can go Google it or, you know, mm-hmm. go look up the hashtag. I, I, I want you to, you know, look at the actual video and then you can come to your own conclusion. It's not our responsibility to educate people on some stuff that is visible to the world. Yeah. yeah I don't have an issue with censoring myself at work. Like I say, all my nurses that I work with right now are black, but we do have to censor because we going to talk about it. It's happening to us. We talk about it, but mm-hmm. we have to make sure that when we at the nurse's station talking about it, that the patient's doors are closed. Because, I mean, if you not one of us and you hear it and you offended, then, I mean, we sorry, but, I mean, we are talking about what happens to us. So, that's the only censoring that I have to do at work when it comes to that is making sure, like, we're not, um, you know, I guess, offending the patients or whatever when we are having, like, a conversation between like, amongst ourselves at 2.30 in the morning trying to stay woke uh, and, you know, just, you know, just talking about everything, just making sure that 
you know, the the doors are closed, but we have our we have our conversations and we say our opinions and you know, we've been about it and well, that's, that's a good thing that you have that you have those colleagues that, you know, you can relate with because all of y'all share that one common denominator being black, you know, for the most part, because unfortunately that's just not the case. I'm grateful for the workspace that I had because you are able to, you know, speak on things like that and not be um I guess, like, chastised or, you know, sent to the principal office or anything like that. You know, we're we, we good where I'm at. <laughs> not, the, not the principal. You know, <laughs> they like to call you in the office. My office facility, I was always in the office. Like, Lord, what did I do now? Like, it was... <laughs> and you know you tell my boss that? Oh, they said you had an attitude. Sis, that's, that, I ain't had no attitude. But, you know, because black girls, they Ooh. expect us to always have an attitude. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, I ain't have no attitude. Oh, you know the thing that killed me? When they was like, oh, you're so intimidating. Girl, how? Intimidating alone. I'm intimidating because I'm young. I'm black. I know my stuff. And I'm not going to let you talk to me any kind of way. That's yep. why I'm intimidating. All that miss me with but that. You know, you know what I want, and I wanted to hit back on this like 20 minutes ago. But when y'all, when uh, Shadi, you were talking about your, my, my bad, y'all know I got ADD. Um, when you were talking about the the black girl that works or used to work with you, that was like, I'm not giving no hand that I. I just want to shout out my two black bosses I had when I first got in pharmacy. My first manager was a a young black chick, Deshonda. Shout out to Deshonda. She's a beast, okay? Like, literally a beast. Like, she had her own, like, company outside of pharmacy. You know, she was a district manager. And she basically came at me like, look, I'm going to make sure you great. She never gave me no, like, passes. You know what I'm saying? She just wanted to make sure I was great. And so that was when I was in New Orleans. And then when I was in Lafayette, Danielle, um, you know, she made sure she got me in, like, you know, into the leadership program. Never let me slack, but, like, wanted me to be in leadership and stuff like that. So I just wanted to kind of hit on, not only to shout them out, because that's two more Black girls that's doing some big things in the world, at least in, in the pharmacy world and, you know, and outside of it. But it's important if you're a Black woman in, you know, a position of management, just in a corporate position, period, to pull as you climb. Like, there's no, like, we need allies in the corporate right. world, period. We just do. And that's not, just like you said, it's not like, you know, you giving handouts or giving passes to the other black chicks, but black chicks need to see other black chicks doing good and not wanting them to, or doing well, excuse me. Um, <laughs> pardon my grammar. You better articulate. Um, but you know, like, I mean, we got to inspire other females to do the damn thing. Cause I know I am still inspired by those two young women. And I mean, I've had other pharmacy managers, you know, Leslie, Megan, like, and I'm shouting y'all out cause I know y'all listening to, um, like I've had other pharmacy managers that were just beats overall. Yeah. And I, they don't know like the stamp that they left on me uh, as a young black woman. You know, my first pharmacy manager, when I was an intern, Monica, like she was a doll. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, as Black right. women, even though we carry so much with us when we're on our jobs day to day, I know there's so many other, and even maybe non-Black women that are looking up to us like, damn, like they doing the damn thing. You know, as a matter of fact, and let me just shout out Chrissy and Erica right quick, because we talk about Black girl magic on the workspace, but Chrissy is over here, eight months pregnant, building a goddamn bookshelf. And Erica just hopped off the podcast for a quick five minutes. Y'all ain't know to go breastfeed our child. So, right, you know what I mean? Like, that's so stupid. And I'm sure that was, that was supposed to be on, you know, private or whatever. But, and I know that's just women in general, but Black women, we, we got to celebrate ourselves, you know, especially when we get into these positions. Um, but we still handling day-to-day life. Like, that's a 
something to be like proud of, you know? And I'm proud of black women that are doing, I'm proud of people in general that are doing big things, but especially black women doing big things and still handling their big I got a shout out, my best friend, Nikki. Shout out to Courtney too, because Nikki is over here getting my entire life together for me, okay? Um, granted that she she works still, her kids are here, but she is, she's been working. The kids have been playing with Chloe, thank God for that. But, and then Courtney got up early yesterday, well, early enough, brought her daughter over here, but it's just like, and still finds time every day to, to work out and be productive. I don't have that right now. <laughs> so the bookshelf is all y'all gonna get, okay? <laughs> another thing i wanted to talk about is like women like women empowering each other and it's nothing against men but like okay how about empowering i empower entrepreneurs i have my own tech business and i just purchased i have my own tech software now and so my whole thing was you know empowering women to become their own boss and like you have a lot of stay-at-home moms who right now they really they're not ready for their kids to go back to school but they have to go back to work so they're stuck in between a rock and a hard place. So I started, I want to empower women to, you know, open their own business and learn a new skill and be their own boss and, you know, add to their salary or, you know, just completely let the job go and make what you want to make. But it's getting so big to where I'm over, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm just like, I prayed about, I prayed for this and I'm getting it. But like the whole women empowerment and men empowerment, like y'all, we got to really help each other out. And if you see somebody has the skills and the work history, help them out. Help them out. Yeah. Y'all help each other out because like all we have is each other. And right now, that's all we have is each other. Like, so not just black men, white men, just men, period, women, period. We need to start helping each other and stop being crabs in a barrel so much. And like always trying to go against each other. We just need to really help each other because you never know how you blocking your own blessing when you try not to help somebody and hurt them. You end up hurting yourself. Right. Definitely. But I mean, all to say, I mean, black women, we do the damn thing. I mean, I'm sorry. That's just the <laughs> takeaway here. And even though it may be harder for us to get the jobs and it may be harder for us to keep the jobs and censor ourselves or whatever on the job. Based, I mean, this is just data. This isn't my opinion. Like we are way more qualified than what we're compensated for. And we need to conduct ourselves as such. You know, when you are, you know, out there, you know, you busting your ass. Man, go talk to your boss about that extra 60 cents an hour that you're not getting based on these statistics. Because we des- we deserve it, period. Yeah. You know, we deserve it. And the thing is, if you're in a, you know, if we in a position or, or a job or a career or whatever, and you feel like you're not being treated like what you know you are worth, maybe it's time to pray up and it's time for God to guide you the way you belong. Because, you know, Black girls do some big things, whether it's in corporate America or not. We do some big things and we need to conduct ourselves as such. So exactly. And I'm going to say real quick, um, you know, just to touch back on really quick about what I said earlier about not apologizing and not just conforming to what they want you to. When I whenever I apply or, you know, um, er, I'm in my interview process and I go into the portion where we're talking money, I'm going to tell them what I expect and I'm going to negotiate it and let them know I have other people viewing me so that they know I'm a hot commodity. Don't ever let anyone make you feel like you should just take whatever they want to give you. No. If you know what your dollar amount is and what you deserve or you know what they're paying everybody else, because you can look that up online, y'all, um, make sure you add a couple dollars to that so when they try to negotiate you down, you right where you want to be. Don't allow these people to pay you what they want. Let, allow, make them pay you what you're worth. So I just want to 
leave that. Tough, tough. <laughs> that's a tough, that's a tough for y'all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's black girl working magic, sis. Do you stay just as educated as you are? Go bust that ass on your job and go get paid for it, period. Period, boo. Period, boo. Now run, fell back. No, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yes, we are done. So with that, cue the music. Thanks, bye. 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 bye.